Shit. So I'm going to start this again and introduce John Wolfenden, who is our music ministry leader. He's going to give us his thoughts on his philosophy of music, take some questions, interact with us a little. Thanks, John. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, let's let the nerves calm down here as everyone is smiling at me with great expectation. Um, Maybe I should give a little bit of a history of how I got started in in music ministry. Uh, It was back in the 80s. Was it the 80s? Um, Barbara and I were attending a church in uh, in Connecticut, Storrs Community Church. Mm. And um, I was playing guitar back then. And back then, uh, the form of the music that was... uh, popular were were the cutesy choruses that's what I'll call them very very repetitive uh, short songs where you would have this repeat and you know I was getting started and actually Barbara played the tambourine she doesn't like me to um, remind people of that but she was very very good Barbara had a a, Barbara had has this incredible sense of rhythm with the tambourine um, she would say she's not musical but I say she is musical and, and to your comment about drums drums are a musical instrument and, and that, that feeling of rhythm is, is a musical uh, attribute so um, that's uh, I got started uh, playing uh, music that way and um, after we left that church uh, shortly after that or during that time um, Christian music started to change it was like all these old rock and roll bands that needed to make extra money saw this market I think this is my theory anyway in in Christian contemporary music and I absolutely hated it now I come from a rock and roll world that's how I got started in music uh, I was in college all I wanted to do was um, play music I quit college after two years and I started a band with my brother and a couple of other guys and we were working 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 all the time making money so I understand all of that all of that loud stuff all, all the rhythmic stuff and um, but anyway I, I jumping back to why I, I I never embraced Christian contemporary music I thought it was an unholy alliance of this, this heavy sound and trying to project you know Christ and, and, and good doctrine in, in the music so I, I stepped back from all of it um and it was uh, it wasn't until uh, so you know after that we uh, we when Barbara and I discovered uh, the doctrines of grace or they discovered us and we started attending churches of a more reformed um, theological uh, flavor um, I was introduced back into the hymns again because we had sort of gotten away from that in, in those those days of uh, early contemporary Christian music. And it was it was wonderful. I, I've always appreciated the hymns, but when when they become part of your steady Sunday diet, they 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 just it was so good. And we were um, we were attending um, a church, a Heritage Baptist Church in um, Worcester, Massachusetts, before we came here. And I was asked to be uh, the music uh, worship leader there, and it was hymns. It was all out of the Trinity Hymnal. Yep. And those who are familiar with the Trinity Hymnal. Everything was doctrinally accurate. There's two versions of it. There's the Presbyterian version, and then there's the Reformed Baptist version. And you know, you can get into the theological distinctives to know where where the differences and stuff. But for the most part, and so I, I really enjoyed it. It was a very conservative church. Um, the hymn singing was very, very robust, and uh, we had good 
good musicians, um, good piano players, and my daughters played music as well, piano. So um, after we had uh, left uh, Heritage Baptist and we came here to Sovereign Grace Chapel, um, that was still my understanding of of music uh, was you know in a, in a church environment was hymn, hymnody. Is that the word hymnody? Hymnody. Okay. And um, so there was a change that happened with me in in terms of uh, music. It happened uh, at the first time we went to the uh, Ocean City Bible Conference, which many of us were just at. And um, I remember being completely blown away. This was contemporary Christian music, but it, it was it was done with with such um, simplicity and such accuracy. They only have a, a guitar player and a keyboard player at Ocean City Baptist Church. And for those of you who have been there and have experienced the worship there, um, they don't have giant choirs. They don't have, you know, all this. Fan- it's just the guitar and the piano and the people singing in this incredibly well-constructed Baptist church. I don't even know when it was built, but it has like a dome ceiling and the voices just rise up and come down. But anyway, uh, hearing this music and hearing this contemporary music that was all part of the Sovereign Grace uh, uh, ministry that came out of there. Bob Coughlin is the, uh, uh, was the worship leader and he wrote a lot of songs in that, in that uh, environment. Um, I was just completely captivated by it all. And I thought, wow, what happened? Uh, and it was when we started coming here and David Briggs uh, sort of, made some changes to the uh, to the worship here and made it, you know, I, I know in the beginning days here at Sovereign Grace, there was a lot of recorded music where you can strip the voices out and you have the music. And I wasn't here at that time, but I know David had a heart for singing and corporate singing. Uh, and so he brought in a lot of this music and, and sort of revamped it. And I was still a little leery, I will say that. I, I wasn't sure, you know, whether I wanted to enter into this new world. You know, I had that hymn foundation really solid. And uh, it was when I started hearing the hymns um, redone in a new way. Uh, and, and there was a lot of that in, in the Sovereign Grace world. And there's a lot of uh, other uh, organizations that are taking the old hymns and revamping them and mixing them with contemporary Christian music. That uh, is great. And actually, I have an example. There's a song, um, Arise My Soul Arise. It's an example of, a, of, a, of an old hymn that's been redone. Uh, and you know, the original is, Arise my soul, arise. Shake off thy guilty fears. The bleeding sacrifice in my behalf appears. Great song, great melody. I, I love it. And then, so, uh, Sovereign, uh, Sovereign Grace Ministries um, came up with another version, and we have done it here. Arise, my soul, arise. It's, it's, a, it's in a different meter. Shake off thy guilty fears. Same words, but just a different, robust feel to it. And then the chorus, oh, my soul, arise. You know, it just rises up, and it's just a beautiful... So, I'm really... I, I really love what's been happening in contemporary Christian music, that they've taken these old hymns and they've, they've revamped them in, in such a wonderful way. And, you know, I, to, to um, the talking point here that, uh, that Pat gave me, songs I like the best, uh, that's hard. Uh, that example I just gave you, uh, that, that is something I really, really appreciate. Uh, and that was, there were a number of hymns that were sung at the Ocean City Bible Conference uh, 
this past uh, last week that were of that nature. They were old hymns. And, you know, they'll add a different verse and maybe a different chorus, but the, still the foundation of those hymns are there. And I think, you know, we have to understand that musical tastes change. I, I, I use an analogy a lot in music as it's like food. You know, we all have foods that we absolutely love. And we have foods that we just hate. <laughs> and that's with music, too. Uh, there's, there's music that I absolutely love. And there's music that is fingernails on a blackboard. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just can't do it. And it's songs that, that I, I would never do, I, you know, uh, to, to the other point here. Uh, is anything over the top and loud? I mean, I love drums. I wanted to be a drummer. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a place for drums in contemporary Christian music. In the worship, not so sure. Mm-hmm. I don't think it, we need that, although it can be done well. And I so appreciate Mike Leo, because Mike Leo is a true musician. So when he comes up and he adds the percussion that he does, he does yes. it so well, yes. so tastefully. And, and that's what it should be. It shouldn't be a distraction. And, I, and, I, and I've said this in the past, that um, one of the things I strive for in music, especially leading the music ministry, is we don't want to be too flashy or too much in front with the music that we cause a distraction from the singing. We also don't want to be not polished and well done so we cause a distraction. You see, you can go either way with that. And, and that's, that's something that is very important to me and what I strive for in, um, in my part in the worship team. Um, what is this? What about... Recent words to secular songs. Yeah. Oh, re- yeah, like I mean, for example, I know that one of them was "All Glory Be to Christ," sang to the tune of "Old Lang Syne." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What, what do you think about that? I don't know if it's a trend yet or not. Or um, <clears throat> I am not particularly fond of that. Mm-hmm. I know my wife's over there with her thumbs down. We, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we I agree. Um, <laughs> what it's worth? <laughs> because <clears throat> you know, I'm so used to hearing "Old Lang Syne" as yeah. "Old Lang Syne," yeah. Yeah. and I think it's a great melody. But to me, it's a distraction. Yeah. That, for me personally. Yeah. And I know there are those who don't see it that way because the, that melody is a soaring melody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, it's, it's that what's your taste? What's your flavor? That's a hard thing. And, and you mentioned there's songs you don't like. Is it the melody? Is it the words? Is it both? I mean, With me, it's a question as to whether it's appropriate for congregational singing. Is it too complicated for the, you know, is the, the, the tone and the... Um, I don't even know, like I said, I don't even know the words to use to describe it, but some, it just seems congregationally to sing very easily. In other words, the average congregationalist doesn't really know yeah. how to move in and out of the various speeds and rhythms and tenors and all that of music. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some of them aren't as, uh, and it's not many, it's a few, and if I had to name them, I don't know that I could because I don't know the name of them. Yeah. Because it's not like I commit them to memory like I do the ones that I really dig. And yeah. I don't want to discourage you in any way. This is just my own personal thing. Um, and any song, and again, maybe we could find one that seems to focus... To me, there's a big difference between focusing on God and focusing on my experience of God. Mm. I think we have to be very careful not to sing songs songs that just get me emotionally excited about my experience with God. Mm-hmm. Because I think there's a place for that in our personal life, big time, in our devotional life, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, maybe even in a small group, I just don't know if, if that's just something I'm hung up on. I remember one time someone said to me, oh, I can't stand that song, I come to the garden alone, you know. <laughs> says, we should never sing that in a church. It's a ridiculous song to sing in church. You know, it's all about one person spending time with God and blah, blah, blah. And I said, 
Well, first I thought, boy, you maybe you ought to switch to decaf and crank it down a little bit. <coughs> but then the more I thought about it, I said, maybe, maybe he's right. I, I, I don't know. So, you know, what do you think of that? Do you think of... When you well, think I of come songs, to the garden alone? Well, maybe, yeah, but maybe that's an example. Uh, but what do you think about songs that... How do you differentiate in your mind between something that's maybe too... I mean, we, music by its very nature, and I'll talk about this a little, grabs our emotions, and it, obviously it's going to be emotional, but mm-hmm. songs that get a little bit too me-centered... And God sent I call those the God is my boyfriend songs. God is my boyfriend songs. Yeah, song. yeah. The lyrics that are more funny. that are more emotional than doctrinal. Or, yeah. You know, than than, take, than speaking about the attributes of God. And, yeah. You know, yeah. That's what I like. That's what I call those songs. And I, like like you said, I think the point is good. Like I think those are great for your alone time or yeah. for your own. But friend church, I don't know if there's a if those are called for. You know, to it's a congregationally. Um. Uh, <laughs> that was a song that brought my husband to Christ. Yeah, I love it. Song? Huh? In the garden. Yeah, cool. Because um, when we bought our new house, he would come out and help me in the garden. And he would always <laughs> want to know what, excuse me, the homily was about. <laughs> you know, good old Catholic. And I would tell him, and I would tell him about my Bible studies and stuff. And then we were out working in the garden, and I brought him to. The vine and the branches, and I explained it, and I explained the the weeds and and Mm -hmm. Satan, and and it was Mm -hmm. that was one of his favorite songs because it felt he understood. Yeah, you gave him the theology with it. You gave him the real important theology of it. You know, you focus more on the theology. You probably focus more on the theology of that song than the song itself does. You know what I mean? Which is awesome. What a a, a tool. Yeah. I just, uh, you know, uh, go ahead, Wally. Um, All right. Uh, I was just thinking of green sleeves and what child is this. Mm -hmm. And when I was young, I loved that song, Green Sleeves. I just loved it when I was like eight, nine. And then when I heard what child is this, it just brought back all those childhood memories. and I said, this is this is great. This is phenomenal because now we have it, a Christian song, mm-hmm. and I can sing. I can enjoy it even more. Mm-hmm. And I think too, you know, uh, I know Fanny Crosby uh, took a lot of melodies that were sung in bar halls and uh-huh. you know saloons cool. and turned them into incredible <laughs> hymns. Very cool. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I just want to share some things on the emotional yeah, component yeah. that you're talking about yeah, here because. Pardon me? Yeah. Did you have your hand up? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I just want to say about in the garden. I think that's probably at most of the few Christian funerals I go to is one of the songs that really? was requested by the person before they died that they got sung yeah. at their funeral. Yeah. And I think it's the melody of that song. Yeah. To, 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 um, to Pat's point, you know, melody is so important. You know, it, that's what we remember. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of studies done about melody and meter, you know, mm-hmm. and the remembering of things from childhood and mm-hmm. songs that uh, because of a strong melody and a strong lyric, um, even songs that can be theologically mm-hmm. horrible uh, yeah. would be remembered and would, would touch people in, in the way. Um, just let me, uh, I just want to read, this was a document uh, I printed out from a, a gentleman named, uh, oh, his name escapes me now, it's right here, uh, Bob Coughlin, uh, Sovereign Grace Ministries, he, in, and this was from a talk he did. If music is meant to stir our emotions, then it follows that singing should be an emotional event. Mm-hmm. And 
it is an emotional mm-hmm. thing. Uh, but he makes a distinction, and he uses uh, uh, you know scripture to to back that up. He talks about um, he said, having said that, God is still worthy of our highest, purest, strongest emotions. Singing helps express and ignite them. Passionless singing is an oxymoron. John, this is John mm-hmm. Wesley, uh, and uh, Wesley went on to say, sing lustily. Mm-hmm. And with good courage, beware of singing as if you were half dead or half asleep. But lift up your voice with strength. Be no more afraid of your voice now, nor more ashamed of its being heard than when you sung the songs of Satan. Mm. You know, so, you know, we are to sing sing with emotion. And, you know, when we're singing words uh, of Scripture and of the Lord, they should, we should. We're emotional Mm. people. Um, But... Coughlin goes on to say, some of us are afraid of getting too emotional when we sing. But the problem isn't emotions, it's emotionalism. Mm -hmm. And he says, emotionalism pursues feelings as ends in themselves. It's wanting to feel something with no regard for how that feeling is produced or its ultimate purpose. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people want to be moved. I want to get excited. I don't know what's going on, but I'm really wound up by this. That's wrong. Yes. He says that that's not that's not true emotion. So, you know, we're not to be afraid of that. We are to sing with emotion. And, you know, I, again, I go back to the Ocean City Bible Conference uh, for those that have been. And, you know, the singing there. And that's a very conservative group of people. <laughs> you know, if you if you were to look at. But the emotion that that comes out in the singing of the hymns and the contemporary Christian music is like nothing mm-hmm. uh, y- you can imagine. And uh, anyway, um, I don't know. I don't want to take too much of your no, thunder, okay. although you've got a well of thunder in you anyway, Pat. So. That's great. I mean, that's exactly what I was looking um, for. So that's... Questions for John, though, because yeah. I think this is kind of important because you are our worship leader. Mm-hmm. You select a lot of the songs... You're kind of on the line for criticism or praise, so this is the opportunity to uh, shoot at John right now. Sure. <laughs> I'm just thinking uh, in Jamaica, when they have an altar call, generally there's an emotional time before it, and then the pastor would invite you up. And uh, he does it in a kind of in a right way, not not to take along with this, but what he does is he just invites people up for prayer or counseling, not to come to. Uh, to say the sinner's prayer, mm-hmm. and when when they come up, a lot of times it's all emotion when they start leaving and they walk up to the pew. To me, uh, that's a dangerous thing. And uh, as you were talking about emotionalism, that's where I see that being a deterrent. But having an emotional experience, uh, being convicted, and sometimes the songs themselves convict you. That's that is dynamite. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, brother. Um, you know, the songs that John has picked that he has collected over the years um, called Contemporary, um, I challenge anybody to find fault with the theology of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so just because it's contemporary does not mean that it's mm-hmm. not sound doctrine in it. And I... I trust John's judgment on song selections mm. um, that they are in harmony with not just sound doctrine but the doctrines of our church that we believe to be sound. I think that's very important. So 
although I, I think hymns have the highest of theological acumen when it comes to uh, doctrine, and it can really root us in the faith. And I think John feels the same way as me that we don't want to forfeit giving up hymn singing yeah. because of the value of it. And especially when you can sing a hymn that has some luster to it, if, if you will, that has some gusto in it, bravado, that, you know, the emotion can kick in because of the lyric, not the, not, well, the lyrics, of course, especially, but also the, the, the meter, the uh, melody, or whatever you call it, it just, combi- all that combined just really, you know, puts me in the third heavens. And uh, yeah. I, there are a lot of great hymns that we don't sing, and the reason is because they're hard to sing, mm-hmm. and they're not very singable. I tried that on a Good Friday. It was a flop. You know, <laughs> I was the only one singing, and it was, it was just a, a downer. Yeah. But the words, unfortunately, are so potent. It's regrettable that they can't be put to better music mm. or sung in a better way. Mm. And because you know, there's not many that have yep. been saved in the '60s or '70s that would have grown up like Beverly. What year were you saved? In the '70s or '60s? Huh? I might have been saved at 10, but so back I made up for Christ at 10 and got but, That's hard. But, but when I really, really got saved, mm-hmm. was, uh, it would be the 80s, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. beginning of the 80s. I really I, think I was saved at 10, but <coughs> didn't grow wasn't in the Bible-believing mm-hmm. church. Well, go ahead, Tom. Well, I just wonder what you thought about the crossover of gospel music into the secular world in particular, into the, the rewards aspect of it and the Grammys giving to... I mean, I just always thought that that was so, so much of an unholy mix in the sense that that it... it uh, I mean, it, we don't give pastors awards. We don't give evangelists awards. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm just curious. You know, you comment on that just a little bit? I'm just curious. Um... I do like gospel music. <laughs> I like old-time gospel music. Uh, contemporary gospel music can be very, very shallow. Um, as far as being rewarded for it, I think they're musicians first. They're in the business first. And then, you know, like I mentioned in the beginning, you know, I was very much uh, not a fan of early contemporary Christian music because it was just, you know, to me, it was rock and roll bands who just saw a way to make money. Um, and I don't know the hearts of all gospel musicians. I know they have been criticized in the past. Amy Grant is a good example. Um, she started off uh, as a very simple, humble singer uh, of gospel music. And then when she got a little bit of commercial success and wanted to make some money out of it, people criticized her. Um, I don't know where she stands in favor in the church now. Um, but again, you know, it's their occupation first. Um, and some people can say, well, they're making money on, on the Lord's work. I don't know. Our lives touched by music that they sing, I think, perhaps. Um, and I think it's, it's hard, hard to make that judgment. Hard to make that judgment. Yes, Barbara. I think maybe you can look at that as um, it's also their vocation. Yes. You know, so it's not like you, you have a job or you should have a job. <laughs> 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 you know, 
But that's their vocation. That's how they make their living. Mm. And so to be rewarded for excellence, I personally don't have a problem for it. Mm -hmm. um, but like you said, you have to look at their hearts to see what their relationship with God is. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to ask you this. Um, in the preparation of, well, in the selection of the music that you're going to do for a Sunday worship service, do you coordinate the subject matter of the sermon with some of the music that you're going to uh, prepare? Do you, do you understand? Mm -hmm. in, in the hymnals, in the back, they have some corresponding uh, topics and uh, hymns or songs. So, do you correspond, did you pick from those selections and you pick like a certain song that you think would be not only apropos to the uh, topic, but also a great singing song or a great singing hymn? I do not typically do that. Okay. Um, the way things work, just from a, the mechanics of it, I get, a, I get an email from uh, Pastor Gary. Mm-hmm. And there are there are hymns in there that he chooses that are relevant to what he wants to emphasize. Now I will choose songs though based on um, how the serm how the service runs. Uh, as an example, uh, the opening song this morning is "Here for You." We are here for you. Let's you know we're not necessarily here for ourselves. We're mm -hmm. here for you. So I've chosen that song sort of an opening to get people in yeah. in the mindset. Nice. So. I do do that, but not specifically always to the to the sermon. There are times when others will be preaching and they'll give me a suggestion in an email type mm -hmm. of thing. And, and I usually know the sermon at that point of the week. He has to meet with his Thursday evening group to practice, and oftentimes by then I'm not exactly focused on the specific theme of the message. So, okay. you know, I, I don't feel that it has to always has to be connected to the sermon necessarily anyway. I kind of feel like there's almost two segments to the service. There's the worshipful praising the Lord just mm -hmm. for Him being who He is, mm -hmm. His great salvation, His creatorship, mm -hmm. etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think that is, is, is worship alone. And mm -hmm. the sermon can be entirely on a different subject or theme mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. So I don't feel it has to harmonize with right. the sermon. Maybe yeah. the last song before the sermon or the one after. Mm -hmm. Yes, I can see that fitting in there. Mm -hmm. Abe, you had a question? Uh, well, <coughs> I just wanted to say that like, I listen to a lot of music um, that's, that's made by people like Toby Mac and uh, Colton Dixon and Jeremy Camp. And they're... I only know one of those names you just said. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> um, well... What you guys were saying about how like it's their job first, it's it's that that's just not true. I, I've been to their their concerts. And I mean, they give all glory of like uh, to God. A lot of times, a lot of the money that they get for their concerts is given to charities. Um, so stuff like that. Uh, well, thank thank you for that clarification. And and, and I, I I understand what what Abe is saying. Absolutely, there are Christian artists. Who, who at their conference, uh, at their concerts, you know, that's that's their goal is to is to preach through their singing and their music. That I thought I thought what Todd was referring to was those artists who who have had a gospel hit record like the Amy Grants or others who are not part of that world. Mm -hmm. Primarily, they are Nashville musicians yep. who have a reputation of putting out a few gospel-centered albums. Yep. But that, that, I thank you for making that clarification. That's uh, 
it's important. Yes. Um, do you Jean. think that God can be glorified, like in Christian rap or Christian heavy metal? I mean, some of the lyrics are God glorifying, but the way they're sung, or is that just like matter of opinion? Or? Well, <laughs> pardon me. Yeah, I, that, I'm glad you asked that question because uh, I've I've never really liked hip hop music, um, although I'm changing a little bit. Because I'm realizing that historically, uh, when when blues and jazz first came out, what an offense mm-hmm. that was! I love those forms of music, um, but at, at 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 an Ocean City Bible Conference three two years ago, there was a Christian rap artist, Shylin. Oh, he is. Yeah. Now, he, he, start, he planted a church in Philadelphia. His theology is solid. He would have never been invited to Ocean City. But boy, did he scare a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, listening to his music is like going to seminary. Yeah. Like, it's, it's jam-packed with So, doctrine. he got up at the Ocean City. And again, like I said earlier, that's a very conservative group of people. <laughs> I mean, there's retired, retired missionaries there and, 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 you know, just the whole gamut. He gets up and he raps the book of Romans. And you could tell when he started, you know, everyone's like, oh my goodness, what, what is this, you know? And he had all the street clothing, he had all the rapper stuff, and it was mesmerizing. He went through with theological accuracy that whole book, you know, hitting, hitting the high points. And the place just erupted in applause and, and admiration for what he did. Changed a lot of minds and a lot of hearts, but it, uh, I, let me just get to... Uh, I'm a big fan of Christian rap, I'll say that. Yeah. Like Andy Mineo, Lecrae, like those guys, like Lecrae is like one of John Piper's best friends. So, like, I mean, come on. And like, I mean, what do you want? I mean... Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's another art form. It's a musical form. And again, like I said, with taste. Some of us don't like that taste. To be honest with you, their stuff is... Far, far, far more doctrinally in line than that Christian pop you hear. Yes, on yes. With, so. with regards to heavy metal, that was that was my background. I, I came from a heavy metal background. I was in heavy metal bands. I listened to music called death metal. Yes, <laughs> it's practically like devil worship. Honestly, yeah. it, it it blasphemes God to the highest extent that it possibly can, and. Growing up around that music, like John, you were saying that music itself is powerful. Music, the music, like take take the words out of it, and the music itself can stir up emotions. Mm-hmm. It's powerful and makes you feel things maybe you didn't know were in there. And so, being I, I, I surrounded myself with that music for years and years and years. And if I hear a quote unquote Christian metal, I cringe. Yeah, I don't care what you're saying over that music. That music doesn't encourage honoring God lifting him up if music makes you want to slam someone to the ground or like punch them in the face or be aggressive mm-hmm. that does not honor God yeah no well said well said yes Maureen um, I, I'm in Florida with a lot of old people but there are a lot of young families in the church down there too but there was one woman and she went from church to church to church she has been consistently attending the church I go to which has a band and the, 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 the drums and the whole thing now and then when the, drums are, the drum is not there, I kind of like it because it gets to be a little too loud. Mm-hmm. However, I hear it from all the old people. 
I want to hear the hint, some of the hymns that I know. And one young person who played the guitar, she kind of came up to me one time with my friends. This was years ago when I first there. They've changed a bit because the system passed is a bit more conservative and more, you know, reformed in his doctrine. And, um, but she said, every church I've gone to, she said, oh no, this other one, uh, the, 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 the um, I'm sorry, I'm going back. This guitarist, she's very nice. And she came up to us, you know, well, you know, we really have to be in tune with, with what's going on and so forth and so on. And Brenda said, but did you think about the rest of those that maybe aren't where you are? And I think we have a wonderful mix here. Mm -hmm. Wonderful praise hymns. And I remember Gary saying he wants to make sure that the, the words, are, which is just singing, woo, 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 woo. Woo, 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 yeah. Woo, woo, woo. I'll never have a woo woo in a second. They love to perform. And I'm not saying they do all the time, but there's that tendency sometimes. I wanted to say to one of them one time, well, why don't you play behind us where we can't see you <laughs> and see what the response will be? And I, and, and I hear that from a lot of people who are going to all, all kinds of churches, but they want. They don't want to be forgotten that there are some hymns, and I think the ones we hear at, at Ocean City are fabulous. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten the gospel live. I've got two recordings by them. And they have put, like, the sands of time and sinking into a new tune. Mm. They've put, um, Alas and Did My Savior Bleed, mm. fabulous, to a new <coughs> tune. Even more, um, maybe a little more discordant. And I don't like discordant music, and I can truthfully say that. And some of them are so difficult mm -hmm. to think of. They're up down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think that this is wonderful that we, we listen to one another and realize that within our group there are people of all ages. Mm -hmm. And we who are old need to enjoy what the young people want to sing too. I yeah. think it's very, very important. You just can't say, well, I'm back to 1812 mm -hmm. and, and sing only what they sing then. I have a little Gatsby's hands. They don't sing not any of those anymore. Right. I think, uh, and, and to Maureen's point, that's one thing I appreciate about Sovereign Grace Chapel is that we have, I think we have a good blend and I've, I've strived to do that. I always appreciate Gary. Sometimes it's challenging when Gary will include a hymn in his weekly email and I'll look at it and I'll look at it and I'll think, oh my, how am I going to play that? You know, fortunately we have an excellent pianist in, in Michael Caprera. I mean, he... He's one of the best uh, pianist musicians I've worked with in in all my years in music. He's just wonderful. Can I add this, John, too? Yes. When I when they first started putting just the the, the words up on the screen, mm -hmm. I found that difficult because I can read music, and when you when you start a, a hymn that you've never seen before, I knew I was going to because I go do me so mm -hmm. I, I can sing it. Um, however. I really appreciate it now up there. Because after a couple of times we sing it, you learn it. Yeah. And if you're great, you'll, you'll say, we're going to learn this new one. What I have found is that because we're not look, reading down here like this, and our voices are going to the floor, or into the hymnal, by singing and looking up, yes. the singing is spectacular. Yes. We, we, we're Good encouraging. Point. I get so encouraged by the people behind me up at Ocean City, people singing behind me. It's magnificent. Yeah. Because we're all looking up. Mm hmm but the fact that we uh, just to continue uh, the fact that we we do sing the hymns and contemporary music in one service to Maureen's point it gives the old people an opportunity to hear what's happening what's changing and the young people all, and the young people let me finish and the young people don't lose that connection with the old hymns that's so important because I know there are churches that have two services 
You have the contemporary service and the modern service. And the old service. Some people move away when I start singing. Is that what happens? Is that that the crowd parts? Sing quieter. I'm sorry, who? Yes, Harrison. One thing I found very encouraging was Francis Schaeffer's book, Heart and Bible. It gave me a different perspective on the use of different art forms. Trying to you know, bring things out of the darkness into the light, like different musical forms, and, uh, the redemption of the whole man, glorifying mm-hmm. God and worship. And it made me think of the electric guitar. It's, I don't know if it's really a question to you. I know you told me one time you got rid of your Stratocaster. Oh, I still have it. <laughs> well, one thing I'll say is um, I was an old death metal fan myself, black metal. I, I can definitely see that it's very difficult to take that and baptize it. Um, difficult at best. But the electric guitar itself is a very, very expressive instrument. Mm-hmm. And I can just see it being used to produce some really brilliant pieces of music that can be used to glorify God. Um, mm-hmm. I think of like uh, a Trans-Siberian Orchestra mm-hmm. where it's directed not the light shows and you know, the simulation of our senses, but to glorify God, I mean, you could do some really amazing things with that, like Bach did, mm-hmm. signing Solideo Gloria at the end of being in secular pieces. I mean, that's yeah. just the sky is the limit. Yeah, that's, that's a good point, Harrison. You know, uh, the instrument itself is not particularly unholy. Uh, I remember in my early Christian life, you know, drums were of the devil. And these were, you know, missionaries that had spent time in Africa. And, you know, yeah, the drums were used over in Africa to conjure up all kinds of things. But, you know, the, uh, I'll use Harrison's example, the electric guitar. I mean, all that's really giving you is the ability to sustain a note, just like a violin player can sustain that note with a bow on a string. And, you know, so it's not... Yes, it's used. I mean, you can use a violin probably in a death metal situation. I don't know how you do it, but (laughs) I'm sure somebody could dream up a way. But uh, yeah, it's not the instrument. It's the heart. It's it's how it's being used, uh, I think, uh, is important. John, you're going to get upstairs probably, right? I do. Well, I'm I'm glad I I was able to do this. I I had all these notes and... uh, Barbara said to me, oh, just talk about it. And I did, and it just came out. So Amen. I'm glad. Yeah, I called John yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> he was out mowing the lawn, so I didn't get to talk to him. I just passed along through Barbara. You know, because I, I, I had planned on doing this uh, as sort of a fill-up and not realizing it's going to probably you know evolve into two or three weeks anyway. But um, it only makes sense if we're doing music to have... And, and if I let you know ahead of time, you might have overprepared. As well. I probably would have overprepared, and then if I overprepared, so that's. Sometimes people wonder: can they submit a hymn to you or a song that they would prefer or would like to suggest? Is that a possibility? Absolutely. In fact, you know, I get every every year after the Ocean City Bible Conference, I get an email from Bev, and and she's I love that song, and, and I say I do too, Bev, and we're gonna do it. Hold me fast. <coughs> he he hold shall me hold me fast. I mean, but the, the nice thing, yeah, come ye sinners. And I had already decided on doing these songs. So I do, you know, appreciate suggestions because I'm not hearing everything. I'm not hearing, uh, you know, I, I'm still in my little musical world. But uh, 
But fortunately, uh, the worship leader at the Ocean City Bible Conference, Charlie Moore, who is just a wonderful leader, he always publishes all the songs that they do because there's always requests for them. So, One last thing. Yes, sir. Can we get a lead clapper in the church because we're a mess, man? <laughs> <laughs> Clapping's tough. You know, usually clapping throws me off, but I just have to grit my teeth. Because it's funny. It always turns into two or three people clapping off of different sort of... Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's like, you know, I remember once I went to the Spine Art Museum and what they do is they give the... I went to the Getty in Los Angeles and they give these earphones to put on so you can look at the artwork and they'll tell you all about it. Well, me and my friends would goof around and just look at it, but put it on a different description. Of what you're looking at? That's what it sounds like sometimes. I said, man, we have such a white church, don't we? We need a, ta- we need a, we need a tambourine player to yeah. keep on time. <laughs> yes. I'm not volunteering to play the tambourine, just as a clue, you clap on the downbeat. There you go. So when you see John go down with his hand on the guitar, that's when you clap. Hey, if you can see me. Very helpful. If you can see me. Or maybe we have to play louder. No, I promise I'll make it. Thanks a lot, John. You're welcome. Excellent. 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 Most most appreciated. Wasn't that great? That was terrific. That was exactly what I was... I was hoping for that. I have one. Yes. I want to ask you, what do you think of Memphis Mayfire and that type of music? Never even, I don't even know what you're talking about. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's like hard metal. Yeah, I mean, I don't even, like I said, I I mean, some of that I agree. I mean, I can think of Eric Clapton's song, Cocaine, but I like to change the words so it says, Praise God instead of Cocaine. You know what I mean? I don't think so. Because that song always sort of meant something. Although I love the beat to it. You know what I mean? I could use the beat for that for exercising all day long. Yep. Uh, the Holy Spirit and the dove, you kind of chase them away. With <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I would think so too. And I, You know, I, I'm sure that... Uh, I'm, I would probably... Not so much as, as before, but oh. tend towards a little bit more just rigidness in that. Yeah. Um, could you just speak to um, how we respond to people who do enjoy that kind of music? Um, just because we can... You know, hear all of us talking about how it's not pleasing to yeah. God. Just tell them that's the first song they're going to hear in hell. No. <laughs> it's a, I, would, I would spend a lot of time exploring why they like it and trying to understand. Just like any other sort of apologetic, so to speak. You know what I mean? I would, I would try to spend as much time as I could understanding what it is because maybe they're getting some out of it I just can't get. Yes, Ida. Hi, sister. Every audience audience is different. Mm-hmm. Every Christian has a maturity right. that is different. Yep. And I enjoy more when my husband mm-hmm. is listening to something that is praising God mm-hmm. than when he listens the secular music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have, um, I could say that even pastors. They go to my husband and say that music. We don't hear that music because that music is from the devil. Mm-hmm. And he goes to me and say, "Ma, he told me, ma, mm-hmm. ma, but it's Christian music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I told him, I enjoy more mm-hmm. when you listen to this music. This salsa, mm-hmm. they is Christian. This bachata, they is Christian, mm-hmm. and they have the word of God in there. Mm-hmm. Then when you are praising the word and the flesh, mm-hmm. you know." Yeah. We have to be very careful when we hear something that maybe in our Christian maturity mm-hmm. is not for us, yeah. but it's bringing the Word of God 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about one of the things that, and, and thanks for that input. One of the things that I remember hearing years ago when I was in a, a, a fib, a fundamental independent Baptist church, this guy literally said to me, he says, you know, the beats that, that are consistent with praise and worship are one, two, three, one, two, three. He says, but the, but the lyrics, but the music of the devil is one, two, three, one, two, three. <laughs> and I looked at this guy and I said, wow. There's a special place in heaven for you. You're just going to be with a few other people just like you, enjoying that one, two, three, dude, because I have no idea what you're talking about. But, but maybe somewhere in there, he had an experience of something that was... So we can never be too quick, I guess, to just sort of condemn what we don't understand. Um, I would have it like, like, you know, to the rap example. Uh, I've only heard probably secular rap, and every secular rap I've ever heard sounds exactly the same. And that may be because my ears just not tuned to it, or because I, I just don't like it. I just don't like it. Well, you know, who am I, Shannon? I think like one thing to keep in mind is like to meet people where they are. Oh yeah. Right. You know. Like oh yeah. They're like at that point where like it's like they're listening to like Christian heavy metal. Like it might just be good to encourage them in mm-hmm. that rather yeah. than like being like oh no like. Huh? That's you know, of course, yeah, maybe expose them, like, oh, you know what my favorite music is, mm-hmm. and maybe give them that and see if they'll maybe yeah. listen to that or something, but, like, I don't say, like, I think it is really true, like, at least there's something in there, and, like, I mean, I don't, like, you have to believe God can speak through anything. Yeah. You know? Yeah, um, I, I, and, and like I said, that's why I'm so glad to have John's thoughts and comments on it, because he, you know, just the understanding of music, and, yeah. When I think of some of my solicitors is screamo mm-hmm. and uh, it's like there are Christian there's Christian screamo as well mm-hmm. and yet anything that sells yeah anything that sells and, and the thing is mm-hmm. that when they're singing they're going sounds like the devil uh-huh. and, and I cannot one thing we, we do have some direction from Paul in Corinthians and I think this applies to music as well is that you know when, when people start speaking in tongues and this kind of thing and you need music that's going to edify the hearer you need to, if it's going to be if there's anything that's causing confusion or creating confusion then that then that's something that has to be stopped and asked that's not, it might be edifying to you the singer but the same thing with speaking in tongues you might be edifying yourself and I do see a hand, but you're not in cut and edifying anybody else. Yes. People that are into a certain genre of music, mm-hmm. okay, it doesn't matter if I can understand mm-hmm. it, or you can understand it, right. or the neighbor next door can understand right. it because mm-hmm. they're playing it too loud. But if, if that's your thing, if that's what you like, you're not just going to be listening to it and not understanding. You're going to be going online and looking up the lyrics. Right. And, and it's going to speak to you one way or the other. You're going to be yep. researching the music. Yep. You're going to be looking for mm-hmm. something. Yep. You know. And in the congregation, and that's a good point, but in the congregation, this is why it's different. Congregational right. singing yeah. and personal devotional singing. Because I like the song In the Garden. I mean, I listened to Linda Randall sing that, and it probably brings me to tears every single time. Other than the fact that I thought God's name was Andy for the longest time before I understood that verse, I, I didn't know what to think of it. But I like that. So, and I like a lot of what she sings, but not a lot of what she sings. And my personal excitement and devotion it gets me involved is something we'd sing as a body. we got to close, but 
So next week, John is teaching, and then we're going to get back to... I've got at least four great hymns of the faith, old hymns, and I'm going to talk about some of the things we see in Scripture about music and that kind of thing. So it'll be a really good study. We got a, we got a real good... John gave us a real good uh, kickoff on this. Okay. All right, so let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our time together and your great love for us and that you give us music, which we're excited to begin to even talk more about. So bless us in that. Help us to see how important it is. Help us to love one another. Help us to love those that uh, uh, to appreciate and spend time with those that have a different mind than we do on, on certain things. But help us in the congregation always to have a, a right approach to, uh, to music as well because that's so important. And in our Western world, Lord, we understand there's been so much emphasis on the individual uh, that that's bound to leach through our music. So we praise and we thank you, and we thank you that um, and we thank you, Lord, that, um, that that in the heavens, Lord, we think you know, hark the the glad celestial hymn, angel choirs above are raising, cherubim and seraphim in unending chorus praising. We know that's happening to your glory, in Jesus' name, Amen. And if you would please keep in mind the family of Nabil Qureshi, he did he did die yesterday. He, oh, he did. The cancer did finally get him. So keep that family in prayer. And don't forget to use your voices and sing it. Yes, sing it. What's going on now with this race? The what? Oh, this is well. It's not a race. It's a it's Clearway Clearway Clinic in Worcester. It's one of these. You know, they're amazing. Uh, they have the 4D ultrasound machine and everything. You know, it's just making a huge difference in the lives of people that go in there abortion-minded. But so they're having a fundraiser, and so the um, and so people sign up. People that are going to run the 5K, which is like 3.1 miles. All right, I, I I'm limited on my funds. Don't worry about it. Pray no, for me, would no. you? I'm going to pray for you. I will make a very small donation. Okay, cool. Okay. Great. Right. Whatever, man. Fine, sure. Hey, bud. You know what you were saying about the leader? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think this guy would.